Acts 13. We're kind of marching through this. I do want to say I do appreciate our site church as well here tonight. I know them and their families work so hard as well. And don't want to leave them out. And just thankful for all those who work in our nursery. And I uh, appreciate that. And uh, keeping the children all tended to and cared for. And uh, what a blessing that is. And I'm sure there's other things as well. All those who clean the buildings and different things like that. Uh, just so much that goes into uh, a service sometimes. And we just, we just take for granted. Uh, but I, I appreciate it. Uh, Acts 13, verse 44. We've been kind of walking through <clears throat> Paul's missionary journey, first missionary journey with Barnabas. Of course, it kind of started with Barnabas, and Paul went with them. And then it got transferred to Paul, really became the leader. We talked about how they were sent out of the church of Antioch. And really a great church it was. And Paul and Barnabas were key people there, but obviously were sent out by the leaders there. They ended up going to Cyprus and went through the whole, uh, uh, the whole uh, island there, through every synagogue, and, and really ended up, there, the, really the, the biggest storyline there was, of course, the governor getting saved, and what a blessing that was. And then they moved on to Pergos, and then Pamphylia, and then up into Antioch, uh, Poseidon. Of course, there's many Antiochs in the Bible, and uh, a lot of people believe it was because Caesar Augustus had a son named Antioch, and he named several cities after him. But we have... Uh, Antioch was a very influential city. It was a city that uh, was used uh, 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 much by the Romans, of course, uh, connected as a cultural center, and it connected many cities together. And it was kind of a a, a large city, and uh, it was one that was definitely, uh, if a church could get started there, uh, could really impact that area for Christ. And, And one of the churches of Galatia, of course, I was there, one of the churches that Paul eventually wrote Galatians to. And so we're thankful for that. But Acts 13, verse 44, uh, once you have found it, if you could stand to your feet this evening for the reading of God's Word. And uh, if you can't uh, stand, we obviously understand if you're not physically able to. But Acts chapter 13, verse 44, it says, And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the Word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, and thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth." And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. And thank you again for this opportunity uh, to meet in your house. And I know it's been a busy day. It's been a great day. It's been a busy day. Lord, I appreciate the faithfulness of your people and serving in so many different ways. They're here, Lord. They want to hear from you. Or not what I have to say, and I, I'm well aware of that. Lord, I pray you help me to get out of the way and allow you to flow through me. And, and may I say exactly what you'd have me to. Lord, I believe you, you've assisted me in preparing this message. But at the end of the day, it's your word that's being proclaimed. Lord, we're thankful for its power. Lord, I pray that you'll do something special in our lives and in our midst, Lord, today that only you can do. Uh, I pray you'll be with the teenagers and the children and, and the teachers and all that's going on tonight, all those online tuning in. Lord, I pray you open up their hearts and may they hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Of course, we 
talked about the invitation of the word last week and how Paul and, Silas, uh, Paul and Barnabas, as their manner was, was sharing the gospel and they would go to synagogues. And they go to the synagogues first because they went to the Jews. If they would have went to the Gentiles first, the, Gen- the Jews probably wouldn't have accepted them. So the fact that they go to the Jews first, then the Gentiles would hear. And of course, many of the God-fearers that were there in the synagogue were Greeks. And they were very interested in the Word of God that was being taught. But they didn't quite subscribe to the ceremonialism and all that was attached. Of course, the circumcision and different things like that. And they weren't really a big fan of that, but they were hungry for the Word of God. And as Paul's manner was, they showed up to the tabernacle and the synagogue. And as they came in, they were invited uh, to preach the word. So they did. They preached the word. They indoctrinated of the word. And we see the first message that Paul preached in writing. Of course, he probably had preached or taught before, maybe in, in Antioch where he was sent out, or Cyprus and other places. But this is a first recorded message of his, much like the message of Stephen and others that were recorded. And, and it took up a big portion of verse uh, chapter 13. We went through some of that yesterday, or yesterday, last Sunday. But then we saw the immersion of the word. We see that uh, people followed him and people were wanting to hear more. And so that's kind of where we're at today. But there's four things I want to kind of see that's really common in this passage of scripture reading. I don't know if you caught it or not, but verse 44, verse 46, verse 48, and verse 49 all say kind of the same thing. In this perspective, it says the whole city came together, verse 44, to hear the word of God. Hear the word of God. And then in verse number 46, it says there uh, that the uh, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken unto you. And then in verse 48, it says, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And then in verse 49, and the word of the Lord was published throughout the region. And even as gifted as Paul may have been, it was more than just hearing Paul preach. It was more than just coming to church because that's just what everybody was doing or it was the activity for the night. They wanted to hear the word of God. And really that's the thought tonight. The word of God is so vital and so important. In fact, Isaiah fifty-five eleven says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of thy mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. I'm thankful tonight that we have the Word of God even today. And it still is relevant. It's still as true. It's still as life-changing as it was back then. And so we see a common thread here today. And so, number four, uh, of course, this is the two-part sermon from last week. If you're continuing to take notes or maybe just taking notes tonight, we see number four, the interest in the city. And so we see the invitation of the word, the indoctrination of the word, the immersion of the word. But then we see the interest in the city because of the word of God. The Bible says in verse 44, And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Of course, the next Sabbath has been at least a week here. And uh, during the week, the news had spread that a little Jewish man had a big message of good news. And obviously, Paul's message was a great impact because we see almost the whole city came to hear. Now, some may say, how did that happen? Well, it probably was word of mouth. And probably John went and told his neighbor and maybe told his coworker and maybe told his family and people came with them. But also Guzik comments that on one Sabbath, Paul and Barnabas preached the synagogue. There was a wonderful response. 
The following Sabbath, there was a mixed response, some very hostile and some very receptive. And that is what happens when the word of God is preached. John 13, verse 20, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus is speaking here, He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. He that receiveth me, him that sent me. And so we see they received the word of God. And Antioch was no small village, but a substantial city. So when the Bible says the whole city came, could you imagine how crowded that synagogue would have been? The courtyard. I mean, this was a big city. It's one of the biggest things. And Boyce actually comments back in those days, there was no newspaper. Perhaps there's no magazines, no television. And so anything, time someone new came and presented something new, people flocked to hear it. And they were excited. They were interested, let alone the word of God. And, and it touched so many of their hearts. And it was such a powerful thing. It was sold out. Could you imagine? Most of these people probably weren't Jews. Most of these people probably weren't even God-fearers. A lot of them probably were pagans. They were probably sinners in need of a Savior. And so on one day, there was like a huge day. I've been a part of some big days in my life. Of course, where I went to school, I went to college. We'd have big days and we'd have big promotions on the bus route. and People would drive in and that place would be packed. You couldn't hardly really find a seat. Uh, that happened here a couple of weeks ago when we had Pumpkin Sunday. And people were saying, hey, where am I supposed to sit? And it was full, Easter, Christmas, I mean, just packed out. And probably was the same case here. It was packed out. And there was a lot of people there wanting to hear what Paul had to say. And perhaps maybe many people were there because Paul and Barnabas didn't go just to see the, the lake region in that area. I guarantee you throughout the week they were busy telling people about Jesus. And they wanted people to know. And so there was people that were telling others. There was Paul and Barnabas telling people. And then people telling people that were telling people. And a whole crowd here gathered together. It reminds me of the great George Whitfield. Without amplification, preached to massive crowds. In fact, his farewell sermon in Boston Common drew 23,000 people. In fact, Boston's entire population wasn't even that at the time. It's amazing how different things are today. But could you imagine if the whole city of Boston came out to hear your farewell sermon? George Whiffle was a powerful preacher. Probably the largest crowd that had ever gathered in America at that time. And hear him preach. And they come to hear Paul, the Bible says, to hear the word of God. Of course, the context here is the gospel. Luke does not say they came to hear Paul but to hear from God. And may I say tonight, this goes without saying, a good principle to remember, we should always go to church with a desire to hear from God and His Word. And though God uses different voices, God uses different people, different men, and maybe in perhaps with some classes, different ladies, to teach the Word of God, may we always go expecting to hear from God. I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of preaching in my day. I grew up in in church my whole life. I was born into church, it seemed like. And I've heard hundreds and hundreds of messages. But you know, if I listen and pay attention, it's funny how almost every time God gives me something from his word. And so come with the desire to hear God's word. And so we see the interest in the city because of the word. But second of all tonight, or number five, as we continue this message, is the ill treatment because of the word. The ill treatment because of the word, we see the begrudging of the Jews in verse 44. Really, the whole city comes out. So what happens? 
The Jews rejoice. Praise the Lord, finally. Someone's preaching the gospel. Someone's finally coming and telling us the truth. And people are responding, these pagans that we get so upset with because then they're on our city and they're maybe being thieves or robbers or, or maybe they're not observing the Sabbath or they're not trying to please the Lord. Finally, they're hearing about Jesus and they're responding and they want to hear. No, 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 that was not the response. What was the response? We see the begrudging of the Jews. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. These are the ones perhaps Paul was referring to in verse 41. If you want to look up in verse 41, uh, the Bible says there, Behold, ye despisers, and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. These are despisers. They are stirred by jealousy. They don't like this crowd. They can't get to their favorite seat, perhaps. They they're wondering, who are these people here? They maybe smell a little bit, maybe they talk a little bit different, they, they act a little different, and they're not too excited that this crowd is there. They perhaps were unclean, dirty, sinful, unjust, derelict outsiders to the general congregation. They may not have shown any interest in attending and did not support the permanent priests in their ministry. They weren't necessarily coming as established church members who are going to be a part of everything. They were coming and invading their pews. May I say tonight, if we're not careful, we too can be filled with envy sometimes. In fact, F.F. Bruce says we can readily appreciate the annoyance of the Jewish community at finding their synagogue practically taken over by a Gentile congregation on this occasion. What was happening? Too much was happening for these Jews to be excited about. I mean, all these people were coming to hear from Paul, first of all. But second of all, there was people here who weren't a part of the program. They weren't faithful attenders. They were just showing up. And why are they here? May I just say today, we, we have to guard ourselves because we can do the same thing, can we not? If someone comes maybe that you don't recognize, and they sit in your pew. Now, I know no one does that here, okay? But I, think, I think that's just our nature, right? We just kind of gravitate to the same area. And, uh, you know, I, I still remember uh, on Pumpkin Sunday, uh, we, we had our largest day of the year besides, I think, Easter, and, and it was full in here. There wasn't hardly a parking spot to find, be found, and it was packed, and I, I saw people having to squeeze in a little bit and move over. By the way, that's not a bad thing, okay? But it's amazing how we can sometimes get a little standoffish about that. But may we never lose our heart for other people. And may we be thankful that people are coming to hear about Jesus Christ. And maybe they came for something else, but maybe while they're there, they hear about Jesus Christ and it changes their life. May we never forget... That we could share our building with people that are just searching for God. It's interesting how people can get upset about that. Say, uh, I've even heard people say, well, I don't know if I'll come because you're having a special day and I'll be gone that weekend. Why? Why is that? Why can't we be excited that people are coming to hear about Jesus Christ? Why can't we help them maybe find their way around the buildings? And why can't we be kind to them and say, hey, why don't you sit here? Or why don't you come to my class? Or why don't you sit with me? 
God is just amazing. This church is great. Why can there be that spirit, the attitude sometimes that can permeate? Because people come maybe that, that aren't usually here. May we instead include people and encourage them. Robertson says nothing is specifically stated here, but they were beyond doubt the rabbis, the instigators of it, and ringleaders in it. Of course, that's what happens in Thessalonica. Acts 13, verse 9, we say the word filled. I felt interesting. It says they are filled with envy. The Bible says, Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost. If you remember, Elamus, verse 10, was full of subtlety and all mischief, deceit and fraud. We see several times in this passage, not just the word the Lord used, but also people filled with envy, indignation, we see later. They're filled with mischief, and they're filled with fraud, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. May I say today, what we're filled with will control us. Paul had just proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah, with whom belief would bring forgiveness of sins. But the Jews here that were filled with envy, they instead were stubborn, Foolish, and tried to keep the law of Moses so it would save him. Peter, of course, talks about being filled in Acts 5.16. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with them, which is in the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in common prison. We see another time where they're filled with indignation. Why? Because the gospel is being preached. Frederick Buchner said, Envy is that consuming desire to have everybody else as unsuccessful as you are. And so they're filled with envy. I mean, I say we see that all in our world today. I saw someone this week in Arizona was shot because he was standing on the corner sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see that throughout our society. People who hate Christianity, hate the name of Jesus. In fact, they go so far to support other uh, groups uh, just because it's an opportunity for them to hate on Israel. May I say tonight, the Jews here were filled with envy. The church people, they should have known better. May we be very careful to be filled with the Holy Ghost and not filled with other sinful things that can creep in. And so we see the begrudging of the Jews, but then we see the blaspheming of the Jews in verse 45 and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. This is the imperfect tense, so this is a continue thing. So it wasn't just that they spoke against them once. They were speaking a lot. They were going to other people in the congregation and maybe trying to, to, to work on them a little bit and tweak on them. And they were consistently downplaying Paul and Barnabas and trying to cut them down. Guzik said, it seems strange that these religious people who waited so long for their Messiah would now reject him when Jesus was presented to them. Some would rather hold on to their bitterness instead of changing their lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see several examples in the Bible of envy. Rachel envied Leah because she bore more children. Joseph's brothers resented him for his dreams. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram and 250 princes envied Moses. Saul was jealous of David because the woman praised him. Here the Jews opposed, opposed Paul for the same reason. Envy. Jealousy. Any advantage held by another. Intelligence. 
good looks maybe, a slim figure, popularity, a good job, or even a person's communication skills can trigger this same feeling in you and our life. And Christians, unfortunately, are not immune to the subtle attack of envy, jealousy. May we be cautious. The story of F.B. Meyer, a great preacher, he first held meetings at Northfield of Massachusetts and large crowds thronged to hear his stirring messages. The great British Bible teacher G. Campbell Morgan came to Northfield and people flocked to hear his brilliant expositions of Scripture. And Meyer said this, he says, It crossed my mind. In fact, he even confessed, I was envious of G. Campbell Morgan. He said, The only way I can conquer my feelings is to pray for Morgan Daly. So I do. May I say tonight, if envy is seeping into your heart, the best way to combat it is to pray for other people. And to help them, that God will help them. R.W. DeHaan says, We know we are gaining victory when we desire good for the one we envy. Our daily bread says, A daily dose of Christ-like love will heal the disease of jealousy. And so we see tonight an interest of the city. They're really excited about hearing God's word. And the word of God is spreading. The Jews are not happy. And they're, they're pushing back. And they don't like what they hear. In fact, they go as far to stir up problems and continuing to stir it up. And because of that, it's affecting the crowd there. What happens? Do Paul and Barnabas just walk away and say, well, oh, well, I guess they don't want to hear it. No, no, no. There's a lot of people's lives in the balance. So what do they do? Well, we see number six, the increase of the word. The increase of the word. The Bible says uh, in verse 46, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, We see the plan of God's word. We see they courageously address the opposition. By the way, Roger says they had to have embraced it and stood up with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see once again the filling here, the filling of envy, Paul and Barnabas stand up courageously, filled with the power of of God and the Holy Spirit, and they rebuke them and they rebuttal them. Robertson says, Paul and Barnabas had done their duty and followed the command. And so what do they say? The Bible says in verse 46, it was necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken to you. And Paul says, hey, wait a minute here. Why are you so envious? We came to you first. We told you about this. You have chosen to reject it. In fact, necessary here, as Paul is saying, by necessary, it is pressing. One cannot do without. We came to you saying that this was the truth of God's word, the gospel. But seeing you put it from you. That word putting it from you is the vigorous verb apatheo, which means in the present tense, continually push away. Paul, Can you imagine Paul as he stands up and says, wait a minute here. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you mad at us? Why are you so envious? We came to you first, but you continually push away the gospel. You continually push away the messengers God sent you. You continually push away that. What's wrong with you? Well, may I say today, we've seen their rejection was in fact their judgment. The Bible says in John 1, 11, it says, He came into his own, and his own received him not. John 5, 40, And ye will not come to me, that ye might have life. 
And then in John 8, 24, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he. It's amazing here. Paul says, hey, why, why are you judging? We're not judging you. Why are you judging us? We, we came to you. You continually push away. You, you don't want to hear the truth. You don't want to hear the gospel. You don't want to hear the message of Christ. We've come to you time and time again. God has sent messenger after messenger, and you keep pushing back. Instead, you get envious. And may I say today, he goes on to say, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. The Jews rejected the Gospels, and now the missionary here will offer it to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas effectively rejected the rejecters. Jews were rejected, but look at verse 48. The Bible says, and when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. We see that Jews rejected, the Gentiles rejoiced. So excited. I don't know about you today, but I'm thankful that I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I rejoice in my salvation. But the Jews here rejected it. Stanley Tuison said this pattern was repeated in city after city until Paul reached Rome. It's amazing. Everywhere God, Paul went and Barnabas, they were rejected by the Jews. And though they tried, they continued to pray for him. And Romans, and uh, uh, later we'll see in Romans that Paul continued uh, to pray for them. In fact, Jesus instructed his followers to turn away from rejectors in Luke chapter 10. And then the Bible says in verse 47, as Paul continues to respond to him, he says, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Paul here is referring to Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 49, 6. The Bible says, And he said, As a light thing, that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. MacArthur said, What is so interesting here is that people, these people had a narrow-minded view of salvation as exclusively Jewish possession. But that's foreign to even the Old Testament. Because in Isaiah 42... Isaiah clearly taught that Messiah would be sent to the Gentiles as well. So the fact that the Jews were so envious and, and rejected and pushed back so much didn't even make sense. They, they didn't even want to know. They, if they truly would have studied what the prophet Isaiah said, they would have known that the gospel message was even for the Gentiles. But they were pushing back. And isn't it interesting how when people don't want to hear you can reason with them and tell them the truth. We were talking about this yesterday in men's breakfast. You can push, you can tell the truth, you can explain, you can try to reason with people, you can plead with people. And if they don't want to hear, they don't want to hear. And so what do you do? Well, the Bible says you keep praying for them, but you go find someone who wants to hear. I don't know how many times I, I've been out souling as a kid, teenager, adult, and I would used to go with my dad or others and We'd come across maybe a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon and, and you'd argue, argue and finally we'd move on and, and, and it was just a few houses later someone would say, well, I'd like to know how I could go to heaven. Amen. And so we'd tell them about Jesus. What am I saying? I'm not saying you shouldn't keep trying to work on your family member or your neighbor or your coworker. That don't, don't, don't stop. Keep praying for them. But don't let that be your only witness. Keep searching for those who want to hear the truth. Keep finding someone who wants to hear the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest, there's times where I'll go out and, and, and I'll knock on 50 doors and talk to 10 people and not one of them really want to hear. But that doesn't mean that we don't stop going. Doesn't mean we don't quit, keep sharing. Doesn't mean we keep inviting because there's someone out there, I promise you, who wants to hear about Jesus Christ. So Paul and Barnabas continue on. The Bible says they're unto the ends of the earth. It's interesting here. The Bible says in Isaiah, I quoted 49.6, the Bible says that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. From Isaiah to Paul, Paul did a pretty good job getting the gospel out to most of the earth. Didn't he not? He really got it out there. But even today, the gospel, God's people, as one person said, Robertson said, are slow in carrying out God's plan for salvation. May we be more adamant in sharing the gospel. Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So this begs the question, are you letting your light shine? Are you going? Are you supporting those who are going? Brian Bell said this, the old standard oil slogan, made John D. Rockefeller a billionaire. He said this, Get the light into every dark corner of the world. That was their slogan. Their goal? Multitudes of towns and villages were lit with the kerosene oil of the West. And that's what made Rockefeller so wealthy. But my my dear friend, we have even a greater light. A light that doesn't need a match. We have the light that will never go dim. We just must share the light of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that brings us up to not just the plan of God's word, but we see the publishing of God's word. Look at verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, can you imagine hearing Paul and Barnabas standing up and refuting the Jews and saying, hey, we are going to take this light to the Gentiles. God wants them to hear it. What would you have done? Would you have been sitting back there as a Gentile saying, that a boy, Paul, let him have it, you know? Keep going. I like this. What would you have thought? Well, how did they rejoice? Oh, man. They were so excited. Enthusiastic belief. They were learning with joy that God does not hate Gentiles, but offered them salvation in Jesus. And you and I today can be excited and joyous about our salvation. Why? Because God did not just have it for the Jews. He had it for all the lost. For you and for me. So what did Paul do to the Jews? Did he hate them? No, no, no. The Bible says in Romans 10:1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He never stopped praying for the Jews. He never stopped trying to reach them. But he spent most of his missionary time ministering to open hearts. What does the Bible say in verse 48? They were glad and glorified the Lord. That's an imperfect tense which pictures the Gentiles continuing to express joy over and over and over again. It's okay to be happy that you're saved. May people know the joy of the Lord. May they see that you sure do love being a child of God. Robertson says the joy of the Gentiles increased the fury of the Jews. How the Gentiles could receive the higher blessing of Judaism without circumcision and ceremonialism. The Jews are getting more and more furious, more upset. Here the Gentiles get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and get, a, get saved, but yet they aren't doing what the Jews thought they needed to do. And they're getting even more upset. The Gentiles are rejoicing even more. 
Psalms 34, verse 3, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name forever. So what does the Bible say? And as many as were ordained to eternal life. Worsby said the word ordained means enrolled. In other words, these were people whose name were written in God's book. Aren't you thankful today you've been enrolled in the book of life? The Bible says in Luke 10, 20, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Philippians 4, 3, whose names are in the book of life. I'm thankful today that one day I will go to heaven when the Lord comes or when the rapture comes or maybe when I die and I'm going to be able to walk up and the angel or whoever will pull that scroll out, the book of life, and flip. Let's find L. L E L H. You can imagine how many pages. J U S T. Justin Lehman, right here. You're here. Oh, praise the Lord. Isn't it exciting that we're in the book of life and we can never be blotted out if you're a child of God? Well, we see not just the plan, not just the publishing of God's word, but last of all, we see the producing of God's word. Verse 49. The Bible says there, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. I find this interesting. The word and here is a conjunction. It connects. If you know English very well, you know that. And Luke has just described the birth of disciples. So these new Gentiles are new Christians. They haven't been saved long. Uh, They heard this wonderful truth, this wonderful news, and God's working in their life. And what happens? The Bible says the Lord, Lord was published. In other words, the word and links them with the spreading of the word. So what it's saying here is not just Paul and Barnabas, not just these God-fearers, not just these Jews who got saved maybe, but it's these pagans perhaps, these new converts. They hear about Jesus Christ, they get so excited, and the word of God, the gospel changed their life, and they start telling people about Jesus right away. May I say today, if you're a newer Christian, you don't have to wait forever to tell someone about Jesus. It's one of the easiest and one of the first things you can do. He said, well, I don't know all the answers. I don't know what all to say. I'll tell you what, if you take a gospel track and the rack on your way out, it has it laid out there exactly what to say. Say, what if they ask a question I don't know? Say this, let me find out and I'll come back and answer it for you. But don't let your newness to Christianity or your lack of knowledge keep you from telling someone about Jesus. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to you. We see, Worsby said in verse 48, the divine side of evangelism. The Bible says, and when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. But verse number 49 is the human side of evangelism. And the word of the Lord was published. You see, the divine side of evangelism has already been taken care of at the cross. But we see today the human side of evangelism only happens if you and I share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so important. You see, Jesus did everything on the cross for you and me and everybody in the world, but it's up to us to tell other people about Jesus. I was reading through some of those testimonies here. In fact, uh, you can get one in the back uh, on your way out to the mission table of all our missionaries. And 
and, and different people who've been getting saved, and some of the missionaries and the and the mountains of some of these tribes, and, and and where it's hard even to get to, and some of these national pastures go up there, and and you can't drive a car, you you drive a, a, a maybe a dirt bike or a bike, or or maybe some of you even walk, and and we've been to Honduras on missions trips in different places, and you see the gospel being shared in these remote villages. You see the gospel being shared all over the place. And that is what happens when the divine side's already been done on Calvary, but when God's people say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take initiative, and I'm going to do my part. Acts 5.42, And daily in the temple, the Bible says, and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. This is why we have soul winning times. This is why we go out. Why? Because this is what they did. And this is why the, the, the gospel spread so quickly in Paul's time. This is why new churches were being established all the time. Because people were constantly telling others about Jesus. According to a recent newspaper article, the 10 top advertisers in the United States spent more than $1.3 billion in one year alone for the promotion of their products. $1.3 billion. May I say, the news isn't going to happen by accident. We got to give, we got to go, we got to share. We got to help keep the gospel going. Joyce Gleave was an art teacher from Mustang, Oklahoma. She had a real burden for the spiritual welfare of the 600 students she taught in the public school. She went on a trip to the Holy Land, and while she was there, she just felt impressed on her heart to purchase 600 tiny wooden crosses. And each of these wooden crosses had a little message with it about what Jesus Christ did on the Calvary for them. And she brought these 600 crosses with these gospel tracts back, and she went to go pass them out. But she, she figured out that the school board said, you cannot share these out in the classroom. You can't give these out. She contemplated what she should do. Part of her said, just, you did your best. She tried. But there was a little part of her that said, no, you can try a little harder. And so she prayed about it and she decided to embark on her ambitious project. Instead of getting up in front of all those students, she went to the file cabinet and got all their addresses. And one by one, after school each day, she would go to one or two or three or four or five. And she'd go to that house, she'd knock on the door. She says, hey, I have a little gift from the teacher. And I want to tell you what this cross means and what Jesus Christ did on it for you. She said many of the parents would have tears in their eyes and thank her for caring about their family. And though she wasn't allowed to stand in class and do it, after a few weeks and months, she was able to go to every home and personally tell them about Jesus Christ. What are you saying, Pastor Justin? I'm simply saying this. There's going to be pushback when you share the gospel. We know that. There's going to be times where we think we're not getting anywhere. There's going to be times where we think we're in the Portland area. Who wants to hear? But there's times when we find a way. Maybe it's through taking a pie to your neighbor's house with an invite on it. Maybe it's, it, 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 it's taking some Christmas cookie goodies. Maybe it's just knocking on the door and saying, Hey, I wanted to meet you. I saw you're new to the area. Maybe it's being a little creative. Maybe we just need to witness smarter. But just because we're not getting results doesn't mean we need to stop. Maybe we'll be faithful to telling people about Jesus. D. 
J.D. said this, Lord, give us wisdom from above to share the message of Christ's love and help us always persevere to make that message loud and clear. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. Tonight we see several things in God's word. We see the interest in the city because of the word. We see the ill treatment because of the word. The begrudging Jews filled with envy. The blaspheming of the Jews. And could you imagine how hurtful that must have been to Paul? Of course, Paul had done the same thing, I'm sure, at one time before he came to faith in Christ. But then we see the increase of God's word. They were courageous. They stood strong and they told these dear people the plan of God's word. It's for everyone. And because of that, we see the publishing of God's word. And then we see the producing of God's word. It was published throughout the whole region. Tonight, maybe you're sitting there and you say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I, I've allowed envy and jealousy to creep in a little bit. And I shouldn't do that. Maybe tonight you're sitting there and you say, you know, I, I, should, I should be more excited about church and hearing something from God's word. Maybe tonight you were convicted a little bit and being a little more courageous with God's word in the gospel. I know. You get something in your throat sometimes. You're, you're, you feel like your heart's beating out of your chest. You feel like you should say something. You just don't know what to say. I've been there. But may we still be willing to be courageous with the word of God. And may we tell people about Jesus and then let God publish the word. Jesus Christ did the hard part for us on the cross. But it's up to us to get the word out. Tonight we see Paul and Barnabas helping really impact a whole powerful, important, uh, uh, cultural center for Christ. And a great church was started through it. All in a matter of a few short days and weeks, really. Almost just quicker than the church in Thessalonica. A church was started. May tonight we do our part in this area, in this region. May we be with ourselves personally, but also as we continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. You're such a great God. Lord, just some truths from your word. I believe we have one of the greatest churches in all the world, some of the dearest people. I believe with all my heart they have a heart for the lost and in the best way possible they're trying to make a difference. Lord, I know through our missions program, we're seeing countless souls come to Christ. Through our bus ministry, we're loving on kids every week. Lord, uh, through the drive-in and through the gospel being preached, our Sunday school classes, our outreach times, Lord, almost 100 people went out yesterday to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and invite people to church. I know we're a church that's a going, reaching church. But Lord, tonight maybe something was said in the message, Lord, that we were reminded of about the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, and we are challenged in our life. Lord, to do more maybe for the cause of Christ. And Lord, be, be careful with envy and jealousy. And may we be accepting of people who, who may become that, that need to know about you, you, Lord. Lord, I think through the years, all the new people that have come through the doors of the church I pastored, Lord, not always did they seem like they fit. Not only did they see like they have it all together, but, Lord, when they get the gospel of Jesus Christ and, Lord, discipleship comes and, Lord, you start working on them, Lord, they just fit in just fine. And I pray that we'll be a welcoming church, Lord, a friendly church. We'll be a church that cares about people. 
And Lord, continue to reach out. Disciple, Lord, and train and teach and love and be patient and care and help people along their journey. Lord, I pray that we won't be envious or jealous. Lord, I pray that we'll be open to your word. And Lord, we'll stand courageously, Lord, at times. And be bold when it's not easy to. And Lord, I pray that we'll speak the truth. And Lord, that you'll bless our efforts because of it. And you'll continue to take care of this church, Lord. Our site churches and those that have been sent out of our church. Lord, our missionaries and all that we're seeking to do here. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you can stand to your feet tonight, the piano's playing. May I encourage you to respond to the message, Lord, as God would have you to. And may I encourage you to just take a moment or two there and pray in your pew. The altar is open if you'd like to come forward. May I encourage you to respond as God would have you to tonight. God bless you. You may be seated. We do have a video we're going to share with you. Uh, Mike Cunnington, uh, right over here, just came up and uh, his just received news tonight that his father has three blood clots and they have to do potential bypass surgery. And uh, just pray for him tonight, if you will. His name's Larry. If we could do that as well, we just prayed together. But let's put Larry in our prayer list tonight as well. Okay, let's show this video of some upcoming events and then we'll be on our way tonight. praise service on Wednesday, November 22nd at 7 p.m. Come and enjoy a slice of pie as we celebrate all that we have to be thankful for this year. Grandview Christian Academy will be holding a special benefits concert on Tuesday, November 28th at 7 p.m. Come support our fall fundraiser as we enjoy the musical performances of our students. The 2024 senior class of Grandview Christian Academy will be selling Christmas trees this week to raise money for the senior trip. The Noble Furs are available for purchase Monday and Tuesday after school for $50 and are located behind the auditorium. Pull around to the back parking lot and we'll be happy to help you get loaded up. For questions or more information, please text or call Madison at 503-878-3606. Join us for a wonderful opportunity to help your child sing and develop their voices through our 2023 Children's Christmas Choir. This is for children 5 years old through 6th grade. We will be performing during the Love Was Born a King program on December 8th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, December 10th at 11 a.m. 
Bring your children to the Sunday evening services at 5 for practice. Don't miss our Level Up teaching and training modules next Sunday night, November 26th. Come and choose two of the sessions from the lineup and join us for the special training time with something for every Christian. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Amen. Well, if you can help the the seniors tonight and get your tree, then please see them. I hope you know God loves you and this pastor loves you. Have a great, great week. See you Wednesday night. It's going to be a special time. Teenagers, you have that activity afterwards. You are dismissed. (laughs) 